PK, it's four years later, and Bronco Mendenhall still generates a lot of emotion. I mean, so much of sports is about the now, right? Games, big games get huge ratings, and then you rerun a game that's a classic game, and it just gets a fraction of the rating because it's about the now. And if it was a great game four years ago, yeah, so what? I moved on. It's about the now, but not when it comes to Bronco. People taking shots, people pumping him up. He still resonates big time. Uh, people like Jake, the best BYU coach since Lavelle Edwards. I think it's amazing what he's done with Virginia. They're a powerhouse again, and it was BYU's biggest mistake not trying to keep him in the football program. How are they going to keep him with the money Virginia was offering? I mean, if, if you want to go to one thing, one difference between Power Five and independence, money. can't argue that, but do you think that it was money that drove Bronco to move his family from his native home? Literally, he grew up in the area in which he lived to move all the way across the country. Do you think money was the number one factor? I think there was more than one factor. I don't think it would be the number one factor, uh, but it's, uh, I think it's like 1A, 1B. I mean, I think he did want a new challenge. Um, but I think that if he really wanted out of BYU, he could have gone to a Group of Five program for a fraction of the money a year earlier. So I don't think it wasn't a factor. I think there was, uh, you know, the time has come. He didn't think that independence was going to yield bigger results. Uh, What you said earlier about his personality is spot on. I don't think he's a guy who thrives in the spotlight wants, needs, you know, so to have something a little off the beaten path. In a lot of ways, Virginia was really a good match for his personality, right? I mean, it's a public school, so it's different than BYU, but it's really academic. They want to win, but they don't want to win at all costs. They want to win, but they don't have to win 12 or 13 games. They were pretty, they were pretty thrilled with a nine-win season. So, you know, that, it, the fact that it was a good fit for him, I think that mattered. The fact that it was building, he went into the story that he's done with the D News, which is why we're, we're talking about this, um, that he saw himself as a, as a builder and the fact that Virginia was down and he could build it up. You know, I think that appealed to him. So there were a lot of factors, but I, I don't think money wasn't a factor. No, I wasn't saying money wasn't a factor. I was saying where would you place that on the realm of priority list, though? And certainly money is always a factor. Everyone needs to work and everyone needs a paycheck, uh, you know, most folks anyway. And so money has to be a factor because you've got to live. You've got bills to pay. You've got kids to raise. You have three boys and all that stuff. So, yes, of course, money's a factor. And he got a, an extremely outrageous raise. And BYU, I, we were down there that night. It was a Friday night. And we were hastily called in, and we had to go down there. And I sat right next to you, so both of us were there. And asked Tom, I asked Tom Homo point blank, could BYU matched it? And he said no. <laughs> it's that's just a fact. They weren't going to match it. Uh, BYU lags behind when it comes to salaries. It's it, you know we talked about how Bronco wanted to be his feet in different places terms of he wants to play big time football but he doesn't want all the celebrity that goes with it and i fully understand that if that's who you are 
and that's your personality, you want to go out to eat, or you just want to roam the community to go to a park or whatever it is, or you know, whatever type of recreation, you don't want to necessarily be feel like everyone's looking at you. Well, you got that in Provo. And so now he goes to Charlottesville and Virginia, and he doesn't have that, but yet he wants to play big-time football. And I'm not sure the two are inseparable like that. I think that if you look at the, the great programs in this country, you're going that football coach most likely is going to be the highest-paid person in his state, and he's going to be a big-time celebrity. Uh, depending on you know where you live, you may there may be other celebrities there, or you literally might be the biggest celebrity. I would imagine in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban is the biggest <laughs> celebrity, and it's probably difficult for him to just roam the community freely. Well, speaking of wanting to have both feet in two different spots, I think that's the same thing with BYU. It's sort of ironic because BYU wants to play big time football. But yet it would just scoff at the idea of paying its coach $3 million. (laughs) So they want their cake and eat it too. And again, like with Bronco, I'm not sure you can have that. I'm not sure you could play football at the highest level without paying the highest prices. I don't know that those two are dividable and you can separate the two. I think they have to go hand in hand. It's unfortunate that they have to go hand in hand, I guess. But the reality is that if that's what you want, well, then that's what you have to pay for. And if you're going to let your coach go to, at the time, was a bottom-level P5 program and, from all accounts, double his money, well, you're probably not going to get the results that you want at the big-time level without paying the big-time prices. You see what I'm saying there? So if you're looking for a low-profile, very successful coach, you've come to the wrong sport. (laughs) You can't play D1 college football. I guess maybe you could be low-profile and win big and be kind of anonymous D3. Would that work? I mean, that's But D1, that's just not possible. I mean, if you win at that level, you're going to be a big deal. And when people see you in a restaurant or at a movie theater or whatever, they're going to they're going to come find you. You know, they can't. If any if anybody college football oh, or college sure. basketball coach shows up at a jazz home game because you know it's the off season, and you just want to go to a game and you think it's fun, the camera finds you. You walk down that aisle, people find you. And I've seen it. Over and over. Robbie Bosco at a game, and people find him. Kyle Whittingham at a game, and people find him. Ron McBride at a game, and people find him. You can't really be anonymous. Portland's there, and people look around. Where's Randy Ray? That's probably one of the better examples. You know, can you be really successful in Utah and be off the radar? So Jay Hill and Randy Ray have had some success and built good careers. They probably get more anonymity, but there's still places they go, and everybody wanna, wants to stop and talk to them, me included. So, and I see when I'm talking to them, I see other people waving and hollering at them. Head, head college football coach, it's just hard to be anonymous. It's just what level of anonym, anonymity do you want? How often do you want it? How often can you get it? You know, how many minutes out of the week? Bronco tells that tells that story about um, yeah your time yeah Bron- Bronco tells that story about being on a family vacation in the rare downtime in the summer and they were horseback riding in Montana yeah. or Idaho somewhere and somebody came up on the trail and recognized him great oh boy <laughs> you don't need that.
Right. I mean, he told Tonto to take off, and they, the horse went sprinting down the trail, if I remember correctly. You don't. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> well, plus there's the trappings that go with being a head coach, and I suppose that's probably the same everywhere as far as people wanting your time. One of the things Bronco told me is that when I would call him in the off season, you know, when you do the group interview, you'd all be there. But in the off season, you'd have occasion to get in. You needed to get in touch with him. And one of the things he told me, I remember him telling me personally, he said that he liked it when he got a message from his secretary that I needed to talk to him. And one of the things Bronco would always ask is, how long? And he told me this, just in a, this is a one-on-one conversation. He said it really got under his skin if somebody said, hey, Bronco, I need 15 minutes of your time. And an hour later, it was still going. Because he budgeted everything during his day. And you can imagine that he's a very disciplined man. And he told me, he said that, I always knew when I talked to you and you said you needed 15 minutes, it was 15 minutes. And because I learned that with Bronco, don't take his time for granted because then he's not going to give you his time if you abuse the time. And he wouldn't be rude, but if you said you needed 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or if you said you had one question after the uh, media scrum, after it broke up, and you peeled off to the side, hey, Bronco, can I get a question? And he'd say, yeah, but don't ask him two questions then. Because if you wanted two questions, say, can I get a couple of questions? It just always got under his skin. And those are things that I think that really bothered him because of the, the amount of attention that he got in Provo. I don't know what he's getting to that level, how it works in Virginia. I've been to Virginia. I've been to the college town, but I've not been working for Virginia media, so I'm not sure. But I do know sometimes coaches get sick of that. You look at Rocky Long, who had a phenomenal run in San Diego, and he just got tired of it. And now he's going back to be a D coordinator where it all began in New Mexico because he didn't want all the trappings that go with the head coach. And at 70 years of age, he said that was enough. And I would imagine if he wanted to still be the coach there at San Diego, they would have said absolutely because he's had a phenomenal run. They've won big time for a number of years. The guy's a great coach. There's no doubt about it. He won at New Mexico where it's hard to win, easier to win, you'd think, at San Diego. And sure enough, he did it, but he didn't want it anymore. So I think that there's things that you know you could do. You talk about could BYU have kept him. I think maybe there are some things they could do, but in the final analysis with them being independent, probably not. I agree with you. I also think he'd been there long enough. You know, it's just you look around and the number of coaches – who get beyond that original five-year deal they sign, you know, there aren't a lot. It's like P.J. Fleck. We had uh, we did a spring football tour and went through Minnesota earlier this morning, and Andy Greeter came on from the St. Paul Pioneer Press and was crowning how P.J. Fleck, you know, had success at a smaller school, took a bigger job. Between the guys who move for a bigger job and the guys who get fired, there aren't many who get beyond five years. Certainly at seven it gets rare, and usually the number of coaches have been on the job uh, 10 years at one school, it's a short list. Now, we can name them because they've won a lot and they've been in the in the spotlight, right? Utah's kept their coach a long time. TCU has kept their coach a long time. Saban's run at Alabama is getting up there. But it's a short list. And Bronco, uh, I'm trying to do the math on this. He was past 10 years, wasn't he? Was he 11 or, or 12? 
11 years. She was 11, 11, it was 11. There 11 years. Yeah. And so once you get to 11. You 99 you, wins in 11 years. Yes. And once you, once you get to 11, you know, it, it, it sounds trite to say, well, it was time. But I think a lot of times it is time. The expectations keep getting higher. Stu Morrill had that great quote, every year I'm, I'm in the business, I, uh, I make one more enemy. Uh, you know, you, there's a certain wear out the welcome, and you need a fresh challenge, and they need something fresh to complain about at the school. There just aren't that many coaches who go that much longer than 11 years. You know, now, now Kyle has, so okay. it can happen. But, you know, even with Kyle, you know, there's always something, and you've been saying, don't take him for granted. He isn't going to be there forever. Now, I don't know how many years that means, but it means less years, not more. You know, I'm not, it's not like Kyle's halfway through his tenure. He's, he's way past halfway, you know. So, I, I don't know. At 11, it just seems like it's time. And Virginia, I think in retrospect, you can say Virginia was a good fit for him, too. I think that independence wore Bronco out. He didn't see a future there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Chris Peterson. Once they became the G5 and the P5, Chris Peterson had numerous opportunities to leave. And once it became the, the, the gap between the G5 and the P5, well, not coincidentally, he took off. Uh, he took off at that very time that that gap was created. And I think Bronco had seen that the program was slipping. I mean, when he was a Mountain West coach, he was getting 43 wins in four years, and he was he won two titles, 06, 07. And then the program was slipping to five losses in independence. He never beat Utah as an independent coach, unless I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. When he was in the Mountain West, he was beating them. When he became an independent, he wasn't beating them, and they weren't sending uh, guys to the pros as much. So the program has taken a hit since it's gone independent, more so not necessarily because it's gone independent, but Utah has gone the Pac-12. And you know what's crazy? You speak of Kyle, and I think Kyle's going, what, into his 15th year? And he's going to be fine this year whenever we have this season. And I think he'll be there for his 16th year and most likely for his 17th year. We'll see about as we get into 18 and 19. That could be a different story. But I think he's going to be there for two or three more years for sure. And I think I can make this statement that the even though Utah has had resoundingly more success than BYU here recently in the last several years, I think that being the football coach at the University of Utah in Salt Lake County makes you – be of a lower profile than being the football coach at BYU in Utah County. And the smothering nature of being the coach at BYU, Bronco needed a break from that, whereas Kyle, he doesn't really need a break from that because I don't think he feels smothered. I think BYU, even though they're not as good of a program, their profile and the amount of attention that the coach gets when he's out in the community and all the time demands is greater than it is at the U of U. I can see that. You know who we ought to run that by is uh, Steve Cleveland when he comes on. Because like Bronco, um, now it was a little different because Bronco came as the coordinator. So he didn't come in cold from out of state to be the head coach. But Steve talked about how that was you know, just a complete surprise. I mean, you know, it's going from JC to D1, it's going to be different. But he didn't know how different it was going to be. So he can, uh, he can speak to that when he comes on with us next week. All right, DJ and PK, we can talk a little bit about it with Tim Lacombe because he coached uh, at BYU as an assistant to Dave Rose and was on the staff at Utah. We will uh, talk with Tim next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah! 
And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey has opened the door for pro sports to return to the state, saying Tuesday that Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and NFL can resume without fans on Saturday. The Mid-American Conference announced it'll change its men's and women's basketball schedules and conference tournaments and eliminate conference tournaments in eight sports beginning in the 2021 season, including softball and baseball, men's and women's soccer, men's and women's tennis, Mid-American Conference missing out on a little more than $3 million worth of revenue because the basketball, the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled. The NCAA will not mandate or oversee a uniform return to college sports. The 23-school California State University system will primarily remain in a virtual learning model this fall as the country continues to deal with the COVID-19 fallout. The announcement did not provide clarity on how it will impact sports at the Mountain West schools, San Diego State, Fresno State, and San Jose State. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. From Stadium Network, Brett McMurphy. The NCAA has no control over college football at the Division I level. Ultimately, it's the presidents that will make that decision. It won't be Emmert. If it comes down to this, we're going to have a season and the general students can't be on campus, but it's safe for the student-athletes to come back. We can play a season that way, or we're not going to play a season because the general students aren't going to be back on campus. We are definitely going to be playing a season because that's how critical and important the revenue is. As long as the health and safety of the student athletes is not compromised, then they will find a way to play somehow, some way. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK and Tim Lacombe joins us. Former. BYU assistant basketball coach, also on the Utah basketball staff. Before that, now jazz radio studio analyst. Tim, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you today? Good. I I finally got a haircut. Have you ever uh, trimmed up that beard? Or are you uh, rolling into Santa Claus territory right now? Um, wife mandatory made me trim it down a little bit. She uh, was not liking the direction it was headed, which was toward my feet. And um, so it's a little tighter, but still there. But no haircut yet. So we were just discussing Bronco Mendenhall. There's a series of stories running him in the D News, and PK put up a question on Facebook and asked, uh, you know, impression now that Bronco's been gone for four years, and it was uh, predictably all over the map. People miss the winning. People do not miss the quotes. People find him odd. You know, there's a whole long list of stuff that you would expect. One thing PK and I were talking about was that Bronco didn't really – embrace the spotlight it seemed to bug him at times and that uh is something that's unavoidable when you're a BYU coach you saw Dave Rose deal with it you saw Rick Majerus deal with it is it I think it's intense everywhere but is it even more intense when you're coaching BYU and you're in Utah County as opposed to the Utes you're in Salt Lake how different is it you know I think uh you know I think the BYU fan base um and particularly living in Utah County, it's at times it can be 
uh, a little suffocating uh, for the head coach. You know, um, it's it really is pretty much everywhere you go, whether it be the grocery store or the restaurants or wherever you go. Um, you know, you you definitely stand out. You're somebody that most people recognize and know. Um, and I think that in comparison to Utah, you know, I think that Salt Lake being a little bit more, um, you know, having a little higher population of maybe people that aren't as interested in Utah, whereas BYU, pretty much everybody down here, you know, it's a, it's pretty much a BYU place. And so, um, I, I can definitely see where Broncos coming from. I think that, uh, you know, toward the, particularly toward the end coach was, was ready to not have, uh, everybody stopping and talking about the roster because <laughs> you end up having, I think you end up having the same conversation a hundred times a day, you know, and it's just a matter of trying to, figure out a way to get where you need to go without having to, uh, uh, you know, have that conversation again. I'm interested in watching how Mark Pope is constructing his roster. And with social media now, you find out if uh, guys are available in the transfer portal and you hear that they've listed their three schools. It's clear that BYU has been very active in that transfer portal uh, and as far as building your roster and getting kids who are not members of the faith, it looks like that that is the transfer portal is the way to go in that way. How hard was it for you to get guys who weren't members of the faith there to come as freshmen or JC guys versus what it might be to be a grad transfer? You know, typically, um, and especially – you know, BYU got a, has always had a basketball name. Um, I think, you know, they, there's been enough good players that have come through. Um, you know, Danny Ainge, you can always talk about, and Jim Fredette, obviously, what he did when we were there. But uh, BYU, with its its TV presence and ESPN, and um, you know, there's there's always an interest uh, to a certain extent. I think it's kind of drilling down, and when you start talking about what the commitment really is. Um, uh, I think that the transfer portal actually, you know, uh, and I think this was emphasized a bunch with Matt Harms is, you know, he said it, and I think the staff said it countless times, hey, I only need to be there eight months, you know, not even a full year. Um, it is, I think it's a really good way to, uh, to attack recruiting and perhaps filling some holes uh, that are caused sometimes by missions. Um, and I think it's a great way to go. I, you know, I've mentioned a few times, um, you know, there was there was a period over the last few years where we were basically told that grad transfers were completely off the table, that that wasn't an option um, because of the academic um, requirements to get guys in. So unless they were carrying, you know, uh, above a 3-0 and really genuinely could qualify for um, a graduate program at BYU, which is difficult. You know, there was really nothing we could do. Um, I think we got involved with L.J. Rose was a grad transfer, but you know, prior to that, we were pretty much trying to find guys who had a connection in some fashion to BYU, um, uh, or you know, just some interest in a couple of guys. Like Chase Fisher was a guy who. Uh, knew Mark Pope from Wake Forest, obviously, and there was a connection there. Um, you know, when Heath came to BYU, he had been recruiting Jasheer Hardnett pretty hard. 
um, at spots he was at, and so he had run into his name, uh, and you know there was a connection to BYU. So typically, there has to be some kind of connection, and you've got to be able to kind of be able to get over the initial hurdle of you you can you can't do what or you you can't do this or that. Um, maybe there's there's some things to that, but it seems like. Um, this new approach may be a really great thing for for the staff to be able to do, and it looks like they are utilizing it to their to their full advantage. Have you talked to anybody? And I think either pro or college, and either locally or your friends around the country, are there play places anywhere where players are get out and, and playing or getting up to five hundred or a thousand shots? Or has this been the most abnormal two months? Uh, not not just for normal life, but for basketball players trying to improve. Is there just no parallel to this, or are there some exceptions um, somewhere? You know, without incriminating anybody, I, I do talk to tons of people around the country. Um, you know, the, the one thing most guys are most guys are home, so you know you don't have the the ability and that you typically have at this time to play a lot of pickup ball and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I do think guys are finding gyms. Um, you know, I do know in certain spots that, you know, guys are finding games and getting out and playing. Um, but I, but it has been. I mean, there's nothing like this. This is the most abnormal couple of months in, you know, certainly in our lifetimes in athletics. Uh, I, you know, it's almost like every night I have to be reminded by the, t- the guide on the TV that, there really isn't any games on tonight that are actually going on. Um, and it's been really difficult, but but I think, you know, players find a way to, to get better. And whether they're whether they're getting shots up on an outside court or, or finding a church or high school to get into, um, I promise you this, there's guys finding ways to get to, to improve or work on their game. Did you see that? I, I think I saw. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw there was some recommendation by college coaches to basketball coaches in particular to redo the recruiting dead periods and maybe have in July be not an evaluation period. Yeah, I did see something about that. I um, I don't follow that as closely as obviously I once did, but I think they're talking about um, all sorts of different things, and really what what's you know, with the news out of L.A. yesterday, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how it's all going to sink because the, the problem is it's a national calendar. I mean, everything was set up. I did see that all the regional recruiting spots were shut down um, for for these academies or um, that, you know, the top high school players go to be recruited. I saw that all that stuff was shut down. In fact, Utah was one of the was one of the locations this year. Um, the University of Utah, so that that was a, a bummer because we would have had some really good recruits coming in here locally. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's it's something right now where every state's on a kind of a different timeline, and unfortunately, you know, you play teams from other states. I just don't know how this is all going to work. I uh, I still have my doubts as to. I know there's all sorts of people saying that. There's going to be football and there's going to be basketball, and but I, I just don't see how it's going to happen right now, and unless something made major changes. You know, I think the the Pac-12 coming out and saying eleven conference games. It's occurred to me that that gives them the ability to flex out, and and this does. 
possibly take them out of the playoff, which I know they haven't been in anyway the last couple of years. And it, it could wreck bowl games, but I'm not convinced anyone's going to be want to travel into bowl games anyway. But what about playing these 11 conference games over 20, 22, 24 weeks, whatever it is, and really spread them out if they have to and like, okay, now's a good time for those two to go play. I mean, it'd be really weird and really unusual, but it seems like by keeping it inside the league, they'd be giving themselves that kind of flexibility. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things being talked about, but again, I, I mean, I don't know how how you guys feel. I, I, I know you probably talked about it at nauseum, but um, it, it's hard enough just to schedule a game in perfect situation uh, to have to be able to uh, time it all right and get everything working and have both teams agree and both schools agree and both states agree and uh, man, there just seems to be a lot that has to fall into place for there to be any kind of semblance of competition. Um, and it is really a bummer, but it, it seems to be where we where we are. Um, and the uh, to me, the season, both basketball, football, I, I think it's all a toss up right now. Whether we see it, whether we don't see it, um, you know, certainly not going to be fans in the stands. But uh, could they come up with something that could at least pacify TV and get it? I mean, you imagine the ratings on those on the games that actually, if they do happen. Uh, be through the roof. So, uh, man, so many un- unknowns. I just know from having scheduled, uh, that was one of my main primary jobs at BYU for 10 years. And, and really, honestly, how hard it is to get everything to come together. And there is in every contract a clause you know, that talks about acts of God or um, you know things that are out of the control of, of schools. So, there are there are things that are written in there contingent, so it's just it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. You think we'll see any significant changes that'll be basically mandated going forward, such as you know with recruiting that maybe we don't travel as much, or in basketball, uh, like a home and home with Utah as a non conference thing, that stuff that can maybe limit costs. Yeah, I, I could see that being possible. Um, you know, I think we, we are learning as a society. I mean, I read every day that, uh, ex, you know, School X is hosting, that their whole staff is hosting a, a recruit on a virtual campus tour. Um, you know, I think there there are maybe some positive things that come out of this where maybe we don't have to spend uh, the money that we spent uh, on things. Um but again, I think it's almost like talking about a science fiction novel because I don't think, including you know, we certainly see um, briefings every so often that nobody really knows anything, <laughs> and we're all just guessing, and there's a ton of conjecture. So um, it's it's really up in the air as to what what's going to happen. But I think you, yeah, I think PK, you could be on something there. There are some things you could take out of this where. Travel isn't as much required. The budgets aren't as affected. Um, and that's going to have to come into effect because every school is going to feel it. Um, they're already feeling it now. But you start taking away football games and profit from, you know, or income or revenue from football games. Um, some of those things are just staggering. And they carry a whole department, you know, carry a whole university's athletic department for for a year at a time. Uh, with that revenue not coming in, you're going to have to find ways to to do things but not spend money doing them. 
I don't know if you had this experience or not, but you were behind the scenes for so long at multiple schools, public and private, that I want to ask you anyway. I think that, you know, governors and mayors and school presidents and ADs and coaches, they've all had to comment, right? They've all been out in public. But it's like you say, there's a lot of conjecture and there's a lot of risk and no one knows for sure because we haven't lived through, most of us haven't lived through pandemics before. So we don't really, you know, we can't say for 100% this or that. It's just playing the odds. And I wonder how much power lawyers have behind the scenes. They don't have to comment. They're not public, but they're saying there's this much risk. And if you put this many kids in dorms, this percentage are going to get sick. There's this risk of lawsuits from parents if someone dies. And I just wonder how much someone says that in a room and everybody gets quiet and thinks, wow. Yeah, and really what's what's interesting about that, and again, it comes back to what we're talking about, but, you know, then you've got every every lawyer, every team of lawyers, every group of counsel that are counseling presidents and athletic directors and universities, they all have a different, you know, they're, they all have a different uh, come from. I mean, they're not, not everybody thinks the same. We see that, we see that every day. Um, everybody's got a different opinion. And so, you know, I, I saw something yesterday was talking about, you know, universities that are located in red states or blue states. I mean, it really does come down. There's a whole lot of, of political stuff that's intertwined here. Um, and so that's why I say it's it's going to be really difficult with, um, you know, I was, I was shocked yesterday when I saw L.A. County push their mandate out for three three more months and just all sorts of things that when one, one group of, of people do something, it affects everybody. And then everybody else has to kind of react. So you're, I think you hit it right on the head, DJ. I think people that don't have to comment uh, are the people who are giving counsel. And that counsel, I would imagine, varies wide, widely depending on the location and, and the mindset of, of each kind of university or locale. So who are you going to vote for president then? I'm, I'm actually going to write in... Um, DJ and PK. Co-presidents. That'd be crazy. I, I would think you guys, I mean, you're clear, concise, entertaining, but you're tough. Um, I think you have a vision for what we can be. So, and, you know, I just feel like you guys would be stellar. It's going to be a lot. Uh, of... I would never even, I would never think twice. I think, you know, I would never vote Monson and Jake Scott in. I just don't feel like they have the gumption that you guys do. So you guys are my vote. I can tell you the one thing P and I, PK and I will do first. This is in our platform. It's going to be a lot of sports on the South Lawn. A lot. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, what do we got going out there today? Uh, looks <laughs> like we've got some cricket. <laughs> <laughs> cricket followed by some uh, lacrosse. Well, you got to be you got to be a real good golfer if you're going to uh, drive it there off the uh, off the portico there because. There's going to be a baseball game going on about 100 yards out, and you got to carry those kids. We can't be beating kids with I, those I promise drives. you this. If PK's anywhere around, there's going to be a nightly concert, too, on the lawn. Oh, that's an excellent thought. Why hasn't there been more of that? He'd be up there with his legs crossed, sipping his favorite drink, and, which I understand is Diet Coke, right? Coke Zero. Um, Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Sorry. Yeah. But can you just see him up there with a cowboy hat on and waving to his adoring fans? 
PK, come to the situation. PK, come to the situation room. Not until intermission. (laughs) Hey, one last thing on, because I've watched way too much of it, but you guys notice um, if you watch, say, CNN, for instance, and Wolf Blitzer's on, there's almost like this magnet when he's been interviewing someone they have to say his name like 20 times at the end of everything. You know what I think, Wolf, is, uh, just pay attention to that, it's kind of funny. Um, that's one thing I've picked up is, above all other people on television, people just love to say Wolf. So when people talk to me, they often, or about me, either one, they have to say my full name. They can't say David, they have to say David James. And they don't they have do. to say Patrick Kinahan, but, oh, yeah, the, the full name. And I, I don't know why it is, but it, it happens a lot. Because I think, you, again, it just comes back to you guys being presidential. <laughs> Unlikely. Diplomatic, oh. formal. When I think you guys, I think you buttoned up and laying down the law. Tim, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. Uh, keep that beard trimmed, oh, okay? Don't irritate your wife any more than you have to. Shall do. Thanks, boys. All right. Yeah. Tim McComb, former BYU and Utah basketball staffer, joining us right here on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Spring football tour goes to Stanford in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go! Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Last half hour or so, uh, tweets gone out from Brett McMurphy. This guy's covered, uh, he's been a, a national uh, college football writer for a long time, worked for uh, multiple outlets. Who's he working for now, Yak? Is he at Stadium? Stadium Network. Yeah, I get yeah. confused. Stadium, but he was at yeah. e- ESPN, he was at CBS. So he's got sources, he's talked to people for a long time. When he tweets something out, I think he probably has gotten this from multiple people and he just tweeted out some conference schools already are having preliminary discussions with their other conference members about possible home and home series this year in case all of their league members can't play sources told at stadium and when i hear that the first thing i think is the smaller conferences because in the bigger conferences you can probably you have a better chance of picking somebody else up and obviously we've got 14 team leagues now um in the ACC and in the Big Ten, uh, there's a lot of options in the SEC. But I would think that when I when I see him tweet this, the first thing I come up with is Big 12 and Pac-12. Now, it may be other leagues as well, and he doesn't say, so this is just me guessing. But I would think in the smaller leagues, just the math of it all says you're more likely to have to go home and home. And we were just talking about this uh, a day ago, PK. Arizona, Arizona State, baby. The rematch. That's two out of three. Well, I say bravo. Yeah, I, two out of three seems outrageous. Uh, as long as, but as long as the Devils are winning two out of three, I'll take it. <laughs> I uh, so. 
to me, to me, it's what we you know we've been talking about this for a good while now. You asked, I forget when, because the days roll together. They always did and always have. So it's real hard for me to recall. People say, "Oh, you said something at uh, whenever." I can't remember what I said, you know, because we're speaking for twenty hours a week. So I don't know the specific dates. But you were talking about uh, conferences, you know, with conference play football, and you went down. Uh, if you can't have all 12 of them, if you went down and you almost went all the way from 12 to, to uh, 2 and it became obvious, I was going to say if only one can play, then play. So I think these ADs and administrators, they're not doing their jobs unless they just create a brainstorm, basically get your staff together, create a brainstorm of all possibilities and then have to go and invest, investigate those possibilities, even though – if you come up with, say, 10 possibilities off the top of my head and nine of them never come to pass, you have to do your due diligence now to be prepared in case any of those 10 possibilities end up being reality. And the world in which we live in, you know, we're all in this together. That's a nice phrase. But when it comes to these academic institutions and as far as the finances, it's pretty much every man for himself, every program for itself. So, if it becomes complete chaos, say, and you're able to play and you find seven schools, wherever they may be, who are able to play, well, then you got to play. And you got to get your game scheduled. You got to get out there because of finances and just the moral support, too. We've spoken about this, you know, when basketball comes back or baseball comes back, let's just say, or PGA, whatever it might be, whatever is the first big time thing to come back. It's going to be great. People are going to love it. We all want it back. Doesn't matter what it is. You can bring back CONCACAB, whatever phony friggin' phone tournament these soccer people come up with. I'm Dixie dying cup. for soccer now. It, it, any cup, I don't care. You you name the cup. You name the bowl, the toilet bowl. Bring it back. Anything. I'm, I'm starving for it. I'm dying for it. I want that to come back. I don't use dying. I don't take that term. It's an expression. I'm not trying to be cute here by any stretch because obviously health has to be utmost importance. I understand that completely, and I've been consistent on that. So it's when and able you're able, when and if and able you're to come back at that point come back so these ad's they've got to be thinking for themselves and thinking whatever they could do mcmurphy's a guy i've always looked up to nationally because he was willing to get his hands dirty and guys in the media who are willing to get their hands dirty you can be my heroes and obviously that urban meyer thing that he had what was it last summer the summer before uh he got his hands dirty on that and uh so we saw what happened and it turns out all the stuff he had was pretty doggone accurate so i look up to that dude and I have no doubt that what he's reporting is 100% accurate, which only makes sense. These programs need to do this. They need to look out for themselves because if you don't, who is? I think that uh, the other thing that needs to be looked at here, and this will appeal to you because it goes to something you've been championing for a long time. You know, it's, it is everybody for themselves, but it's kind of like there's, uh, there's circles. I mean, yes, you're looking out for number one, but you can't play a game by yourself either. So you got to partner with right. somebody. So where are the strongest relationships? And obviously they should be, if the conference is healthy, inside the conference, right? And then I think the other place that hasn't been mentioned, but I got to believe ADs are exploring this, at least some of them are, hopefully all of them are, is you got to look yes. – 
in-state. You've been talking about, you know, let's not fly across country. We were talking with Minnesota spring football. You know, do they have to play Cal and Mississippi State? Is there any other game? Now, in a football sense, Minnesota would be tough because they're the only D1 school in their state. But if you're in a state where there's more than one D1 school, you know, a big part of this, you know, traveling's dangerous uh, to some degree, to whatever, you know, level everybody would judge it differently. But there's some risk, right? Airplanes, hotels, it gets complicated. So can you bus it? Can you bus in and can you be there and be back? And so... Alabama always plays money games anyway. Why don't they play with Troy? You know, we've got Utah, BYU, and Utah State here. Does Utah need to play Utah State if they need one more game? Does somebody or more than one of these schools need to, need to play Weber State or Southern Utah if they need one more game? In every state, it's a little different. It might not always be in-state. You and I have both been to El Paso and Las Cruces. They're separate states, but hey, UTEP. Home and home in New Mexico State if you need one more game. And Tim Lacombe was just on and talked about how hard it is to negotiate contracts. But everybody's going to have budget pressures. You're not going to have much in the way of ticket sales, if any at all. Maybe you can sell a few of the luxury suites. Maybe you know, a few of the tickets. You know, Are you going to be able to put five or 10,000 people in a 40,000-seat stadium? I don't know how that's going to work out. But there isn't going to be much money there. There might be some. So, hey, this is what we get from the TV networks from the game. You can have this portion of it. Obviously, if you're not getting a charter, it makes more sense. You know, if you don't have to charter a flight, if you can just bus it. So hopefully they're looking at that, too. And obviously from state to state, you know, Nevada's got two schools and they already play. You know, there aren't a lot of options there. Um, but maybe schools here should be looking at Nevada because it's not ideal to bus eight hours. But, PK, we know you can fly in the morning of the game and fly back out. I mean, it's been done before. Oh, look at you he's, go. He's giving a shot at BYU. What's up, Typical Gary? Typical Channel 2, Utah-centered all the way. Now the truth, after all these years, has finally come out. He takes a shot at BYU. That's just, oh, my God. No wonder you had Avili down there when you knew damn well he wasn't going to choose BYU and he was going to choose USC. You think I've forgotten that? You thinking my Cougar friends have forgotten that? Absolutely not. We have forgotten that. We understand that was a direct slam on BYU. Yeah, the Crimson Club, a decade of building champions. I get what Channel 2 is about. Finally exposed. I expect City Weekly to pull back all the annual awards that they've given you, David James Sniggledorf III. But see, that was in my misspent and ill-timed youth. Now... As an older, more mature media member, I'm, I'm doing like three-hour interviews with Matt Harms. So, you know, of course, the life balances out, PK. I thought you were going to say you wanted to win by nine, not by two. Oh, another Slammerino. They're just coming out out of the woodwork now. This is like turning on the lights and seeing all the cockroaches scurry. Listen to you two. Am I the only true blue loyal tradition faith and uh, uh, go to church every Sunday, whatever those expressions are? What is going on? I've been in the studio for six weeks and all hell breaks loose. Thank you, Bronco. Yes, I've been by your side. I'm still by your side. We are band of brothers, Bronco. And Gary and uh, uh, Brett Ingeman, everybody, all of us. I hate PK. <laughs> we're gonna put we're gonna put all these hot takes on Facebook and just wait for the audience to blame you for stirring the pot. 
Oh, yeah, flying in the day of the game. I mean, that's just – and not only that, guys, I'm surprised you didn't report report, DJ, since you're so anti-BYU, that it was like a 1 o'clock start. It wasn't even a 6 or 7 o'clock. It was a day game. <laughs> was Kaepernick the quarterback then? No. Nope, Burleson was a wide receiver, though? Burleson yeah, was yeah. the stud wide receiver. Yeah, had like an yes. yard touchdown in that game? And, correct. Yes, and obviously he went on to great things. Kaepernick beat them, uh, I think, that year. 2010. That uh, was the uh, yeah the last yeah, can, year of Independence, yeah. or last year of Mount West, and that was the year they were juggling quarterbacks left and right and all that stuff. And obviously Kaepernick was a great college player, and at times he was a great pro player. In my mind, clearly he has the ability to be in the NFL. I don't know as a starter, but I'm not getting into political ramifications because I don't care about all that stuff. But, yeah. And I think that uh, by the uh, third, qu- oh, no, by the by the third series of the first quarter, BYU had used seven quarterbacks, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Uh, I was looking to see if Brett McMurphy tweeted anything else out, <laughs> and PK, <laughs> look at Twitter, and and these guys <laughs> slash idiots. <laughs> Five guys are at a golf course playing spin the bottle, and they've got a ball, and it looks like a wedge or something. And there's five guys, and they spin it, and whoever it's pointing at grabs the club and hits the ball. The other four run away and try not to get hit. And the other guy hits the ball at him. The, the, the guy, it's a wedge, though, so if he swings real hard, he's going to pop it up. So you got a closed thing. You try to hit guys in the in the butt as they run away, and all four have to run in the same direction. So it's like target. So was it we? are playing dodge golf. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I will tweet this out so you can all enjoy slash be horrified by this. Uh, DJ PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the twelve eighty the zone.